0: Okay, cool. Shall we crack on then if if you're in a focused mood? I'm up for it. Hello, I'm Alistair. And I'm Andrew. Welcome to season nine, episode one of Scene From Above, an informal podcast about the cool things happening in Earth Observation. Check out scenefromabove.org for the podcast archive and show notes. Follow the show on Twitter via at from and using the hashtag SceneFromABove. In this episode, we look back at a slightly weird year. Okay, on with the news on the 16th of December 2020. So the first thing to say is it's our third birthday. So happy birthday to us, Andrew. It seems hard to believe that it was three years ago when we did our our demo tape, as it were, all about whether Google Earth Engine was going to be the killer app. It seems quite a long time ago, but actually it's, it's not that far. Um, The next bit of news that I wanted to do is just a quick update to let people know about Raster's Revealed. So this is a one-day conference that I'm putting on uh, on 15th of January 2021. And it's all about raster data and the types of things you can do with raster data. So all the way from how you collect it through how you store it and manage it. To visualization and analysis. So if you're interested in that, uh, it's a free one day conference. All the details are at rastersreveal.net.
1: Awesome. Okay. The biggest geo news is that Mapbox have released GLJS version 2. And oh man, Do you use this much? It's not really come across my horizon, but it's sparked a huge deluge of information into my timeline of people getting upset because it's it's now not going to be open sourced or the code is available, but it's a different license. And there's been all sorts of blog posts written about why it's good, why it's
0: not so good. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Up until very recently, I've done almost no web mapping stuff, and then uh, same as you, really. I saw it sort of pop up as one tweet, and then another tweet, and then there was a response. then some more and it just got more and more and it's an interesting one because to go from open source to proprietary is i would say it's less common than people who have a proprietary thing open sourcing it so i can see why people are a little bit miffed to you know if they're, they're relying on something for their services and now it's being taken in under a different license and I'll be honest, I haven't looked at what the licensing is. It's going to throw up some real problems, I think, for some people and the services that they're creating and possibly
1: commercializing. Yeah, for me, Mapbox became quite dominant in satellite imagery for a while. I don't know if they're quite where they were with that, in in my personal opinion. But the things that I've seen out of this new API, uh, the 3D visualizations, is crazy crazy brilliant. That's sort of been lesser talked about, shall we say. So I'm going to
0: do a sort of, I guess it's a non-specific news story. It's quite a general thing. But I just want to highlight that there are so many iceberg A68A stories out there. Those of you who've been following the podcast for a while will maybe remember iceberg A68A. It's the huge wadge of ice that broke off one of the ice shelves down in Antarctica, and it's been floating around for ages. We've covered it before because uh, there's some I mean, some amazing imagery taken using Sentinel-1 and other SAR images. Yeah, I just wanted to basically highlight the fact that it's all over the sort of environmental and scientific news at the moment. And there's so so much use of Earth observation that it's just a really interesting story.
1: Yeah, icebergs are often sort of sentinel one, aren't they, because of the cloud and all this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I think the interesting thing is that this iceberg is so big. I mean, it's heading towards South Georgia down in the South Atlantic, and it is give or take more or less the same size as South Georgia. So if if this thing does become wedged up against South Georgia, it's going to be a a huge issue for some of the uh, ecosystems down there. Okay,
1: cool. So I want to talk a little bit about Pangeo. We haven't talked about them before, I don't think. Uh, What is Pangeo? First and foremost, it's a community promoting open, reproducible, scalable science. There's no single software called Pangeo. Rather, it's sort of like a coordination project of software, people, computing resources, all this kind of stuff. So it's not just EO-focused. But there's been two blogs just fairly recently talking about x and COGS, you know, using Stack and making NetCDF files, which are a bit of a bane in the side of your traditional GIS user, I would say. So there's a couple of really good blogs on this. We've talked in the past about X-Array, but X-Array really seems to be coming to the fore. And what seems to have really caught my eye is the interoperability between data sets that are coming down in x array. so I mean I've been looking a lot at um, NASA geostationary satellites recently and I can see the benefits of of, of working with this because I've been looking at uh, SatPy and uh, those, those sorts of um, Python libraries to handle data. These are blogs that are perhaps a little bit overdue and I think in the Earth Observation community we need to sort of get a bit more familiar with NetCDF format going forward. We really benefit from people sharing this stuff. So hopefully we're going to see more X-Ray documents, blogs, code and and stuff coming out um, in 2021. I'm hopeful. So my next bit of news is we're going to a
0: country that, to be honest, I don't think we've actually mentioned that much over the lifetime of the podcast. It's long overdue a mention. So the Irish Space Collaboration Hub is launching and this looks really interesting actually. So this is the first centre in Ireland that's dedicated to collaborative space research and it's opening at University College Dublin and the idea behind this is to try and develop a space industry in Ireland. So the centre itself is going to be called C-Space and it's going to be home to IASAT EIRSAT1, which is Ireland's first satellite. I had heard about this, and I don't think we've reported on it, but this looks an interesting thing. So Ireland are going to release a, it looks like a little CubeSat, NanoSat thing, um, but it's going to look at various different research areas. So yeah, I, I think this is just really nice. It's a, another hub, but it's always good to get hubs around space and, and Earth observation and everything else to do with that type of thing. Brilliant.
1: So I've got Two more things I want to say. Firstly is Gisheng Wu. He is GISWQS on Twitter and GitHub. Basically, we could every month highlight <laughs> something amazing that this guy does. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, it's just, I mean, I just want to highlight one thing that's happened that he's done. Uh, one of many, many, many things. So he, he, he's done this notebook on working with COGS and GEE map. So go and check that out. These kind of things need highlighting because it's too easy to be stuck in our old world of using data how we've always used it and making the same mistakes. So um, I love it. It's been disingenuous to say it's simple because just because it looks simple doesn't mean it, it's been simple to put together. But the way Map works has been put together in such an incredibly user friendly way. Uh, what a brilliant body of work. So I, I put out a tweet
0: yesterday about the YouTube channel that he's put together. You're right. It was just, I came across it and it was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. This this contribution to the community needs to be more widely shared. And it's exactly the same as what you're showing here with the the notebooks and the code. It's amazing the, the contribution out to the EO community. And I think just looking at the number of likes and the number of retweets and shares and things that uh, yesterday's Tweet got it shows that the community responds really well as well to this type of thing yeah it's a really positive story
1: yeah absolutely brilliant Um, not eo related but i think it's something that um, is worth keeping up on in in the technology world is that slack has been bought by salesforce they bought tableau a while ago 27 billion (laughs) dollars how can i i I mean i think i was at home and it was late at night and i saw the the announcement on twitter and i think i just must have walked around the house five minutes ago 27 billion dollars for slack 27 billion right 27 billion 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 how big is a billion it's
0: massive it's a billion um I'm looking around my office now wondering what I can sell for 27 billion. (laughs) It's it's a big number. A billion is a big number. (laughs) By doing this, I wonder whether or not more people get pushed towards open source alternatives or whether it just means that the commercial world has, I don't know, maybe more confidence in using things like Slack and Tableau because they've got the name of Salesforce behind it and that actually they'll see more uptake and usage now that Salesforce have made that purchase. Um, I, I also have two things quickly to mention. One of them is that the Office of National Statistics in the UK has launched a new tool to track changes of water sources. The tool basically takes processed imagery from the Global Surface Water Explorer, uh, which was developed by the United Nations, the JRC, which is part of the European Commission, and Google, and then uses a number of processes tr- to transform that information into tables and maps, which can be used by governments to create various different uh, statistics. And those statistics can then be fed back into some of the sustainable development goal reporting so there's, there's that sort of component of it's interesting technically. But the the thing that really caught my eye is that the Office of National Statistics has a data science campus. It's like, I didn't know about that. That sounds pretty cool. We should definitely look into that, especially if they're, they're looking at using Earth observation data as a an input into some of the things that they're creating. So yeah, if anyone listens to this podcast and is anything to do with the data science campus please drop us a line on on Twitter. It'd be really cool just to find out what's going on at the data science campus and whether it's an actual physical campus or whether it's just a sort of virtual thing. The very final thing I came across just as I was logging in to record this, it's something called Climate Trace. So it's climatetrace.org. And this looks really interesting as well. It's a basically a, a group that exists to try and make meaningful climate action faster and easier by mobilizing the global tech community. And As such, what they're doing is they're trying to use satellite data as much as possible and artificial intelligence and all the usual things that we talk about on the podcast. But yeah, if you're interested in sort of how to track greenhouse gas emissions and use tech and and Earth observation data and all sorts of other cool things, then go on over to climatetrace.org and just check it out. And that's it for the news.
1: So I am going to try and review the whole of 2020 with an Earth observation theme. <laughs> cool. I'm going to try and do it in three minutes. I used to blog every quarter, a series of links, and try to kind of wrap up what was going on in that quarter, and then at the end of the year, try to try to wrap it up. But it just became just became a sort of huge, overwhelming thing. I got put off by it a little bit because I saw people saying, oh not directly things I'd written, but don't just blog, blog post a load of links. It's you know it's really tedious and you know I, I kind of thought oh well, maybe maybe I won't do that. Okay, you got your stopwatch ready. Okay, uh, go. This is my attempt at capturing 2020 in three minutes. Start the clocks. Here comes 2020. A shapefile is more than one file. Earth observation 2.0. The analytical Earth is here. In January, Christopher Rika e nailed UAV land cover classification using Fast I. Central Hub does the same with satellites. Boom. We can all go home. February, Sentinel 5P, more coming soon, available as a cog. Satellogic launches new satellites, Marie and Sophie, sound the trumpets. Jedi products appear online, and Kisheng Wu releases GE notebooks, well over 40 GE tutorials throughout the year, double trumpets. ABC publishes its own take on satellite imagery and wildfires. Professor Phil Lewis wins the Newton Prize, and Patrick Gray shows us how to use deep learning for oysters, The global pandemic. March, and April Charrington tells us about severe... ISI, EO company of the year, I would say, tells us about SAR video and later in the year secures huge Series C funding. Imagery from Syria tells a sobering story. In April, Charlotte tells us about all things geological and remotely sensed from Norway. AWS starts hosting Himawari 8 data and Jonathan Amos writes up the Grace mission and the measurement of melting ice in Greenland. Sentinel 5P, here it comes again, displays in stunning detail the impact of the lockdowns across the world on the reduction of atmospheric gases. Amazing. By the end of the year... We're back to normal again as we continue to piss in the margins and climate change. Earth observation code starts, double trumpets. May, May, we're on into May and we get cracking on drones. PwC report on space and COVID. There appears to be a growth model here. Open LIDAR for Sao Paulo blows us away. The stunning visualisation of imagery on the web becomes a theme for the year. In June, hello to Haley who tells us all about Sentinel-3 and training whilst we show our significant ignorance about the oceans. Still in June, Stack goes into 1.0 beta. It's a big year for Stack, and several events and milestones were achieved in 2020. Phosphor G UK takes place, and there's a great deal of EO content, which we're all glad about. Sean Gorman wins the day with Pixel 8. Planet announces multiple images per day. Into July, methane detection hits the news as GHG set having a massive year launching more satellites and planning more for 2022 and getting more funding. Hold up, did I say Planet are doing multiple images a day? Triple Trumpets. It's just later confirmed in October. Skysat will do 7 to 12 images per day. Watch out, though, for Legion and Neo. The incumbents will return and eat the market in 2022, or so they hope. Back in July, Geopandas comes out with an important release supporting PostGIS and a lot more. Summer 2020. Relax. Have a socially distanced break. Take it easy. Nothing happens in summer, right, until the end. Bang! August. Cloud Native GIS Day is announced and it goes on to be one of the most successfully and transformative Online events of the year, September. Sentinel up start blogging about data fusion and we get um, overwhelmed by geo platforms. October is a busy month. KSAT and Airbus and Planet come together on a massive global forestry project, opening up their data. And the most important open remote sensing plugin, the semi-automatic plugin for QGS, starts supporting Sentinel-1 and geostationary satellites. Triple drum bits. We talk disasters with Dave. Sentinel-2 becomes free in AWS again and it's a cog. You know what to do, right? Making Earth Foundation has a crack at the state of machine learning for EO and totally nails it November. And Joe tells us about the marketplace models and how they're a bad idea. Sorry, terrible idea. And it's time to go deep now on problems. Licensing and imagery are still a mess of a mess. Geo for Good came and went by online. Google continues to grow and throw resources at Google Earth Engine. Earth North School has a significant upgrade. The 30-day map challenge doubles its audience and blows the mapping world wide open. Collaboration's still the way forward, guys. Autumn Earth Observation Code hits 500 resources. Keiko tells her inspiring story. Maxar offers 15-centimeter imagery. Penguins get counted using drones, and Sentinel-6 is launched. As 2021 approaches, no one downloads satellite imagery anymore, and Shapefile is more than just one file. Boom.
0: There you go. That was amazing. That was really cool to listen to. And I think hashtag triple trumpets is going to be the thing for for Twitter. The fact that everything has been about sort of stopping the economy and stopping the the disease and putting a halt on things and a halt on movement. And and I totally get why we need to do it. But it's amazing to then have a, a short, sharp splurge almost of all the positive things that have been pushing things forward and moving in a positive direction. I really needed that.
1: So 2020 has been, I think, an amazing year for things like online communities. I tip my hat at people like Sisters of SAR and Ladies in Landsat. You know, they're still plugging away, sharing content, promoting people. I don't think online events quite got it sorted, but it's it, it's getting there. Just in time for Rasters Revealed. <laughs> but, but, ev- but every every conference takes us a step forward. Yeah. It's been difficult for many people and and, and tremendously sad for for, for a lot of people. And I I don't want to sort of overstate that. But it is amazing the collaboration that's gone on. And you can't just now turn to your neighbour and say, let's have a cup of tea and a chat around the, the water cooler. We are working from home. It it can be a bit of a lonely existence, and seeing what can still be done, I find quite uplifting in in that sense. And companies like ISAI, that I said, feels to me like they're the company of the year in Earth observation. Massive funding, they're going really nuts on recruitment at the moment. You know, SAR is having a, I don't know if resurgence, but it's really sort of, it's really penetrating the market now, it feels. And the Capella Space has just announced 50 centimeter SAR data, is it? I, I, I think I saw on Twitter. So okay. that, yeah. that's quite amazing. Um, climate monitoring for Sentinel-5P with COVID lockdown was just everywhere, really. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I saw that GHGSat is releasing some of its data as open data as well.
1: Yep. I think they have a 5% agreement with ESA. Okay. Um, okay and academic institutions can use it. So there's been a lot of positive stuff. It still feels like
0: we're in a really buoyant Sector. I, I would agree with that. There are people who will be having difficulties in terms of employment, but it seems like generally, now that so much is moving online, there definitely seems to be opportunities around the world. And it does seem from people I've spoken to anecdotally as if this year has actually been a busier year. And I guess in part because a lot of people can't get out into the field to do in situ measuring and monitoring, that Earth observation is really beginning to get a grip. And I, I would hope. That as the pandemic begins to wane a little bit in to, in 2021, that actually the fact that people have seen the benefit of Earth observation in 2020, that mindsets will begin to change and business models will begin to change. And some of the things that we've been promising for years and years on the commercial side of Earth Observation will actually be come to fruition and that we'll start to get some really good services going that people will actually want to pay for and continue paying for. And that will help generate new jobs and new areas. And then that itself starts to really keep the, the sector buoyant, hopefully.
1: So are you going to make any predictions <laughs> for 2021 <2021? laughs> um you don't have to we're always wrong
0: so one of my big things for 2020 is what is going on in Edinburgh? It seems like there's just been a massive number of um, companies being spun out of the university. and every <laughs> It seems almost as well, every time I go on online and have a Zoom call with people, I find people who have some link back to the Edinburgh University Earth Observation courses that are done up there. And this is brilliant. Maybe one prediction I would feel confident making is that in 2021, we're going to see in the UK at least, Edinburgh really coming to the front as as a sort of tech hub and an earth observation hub, maybe a little bit more for the commercial side of things. Someone up there really has their finger on the pulse and they've really seen where the funding is and what types of company are being funded. Yeah, I'm going to go out there and say that keep an eye on edinburgh and the the ecosystem of companies that is up in edinburgh for 2021 because so i think we're going to see more cool stuff coming out of that
1: yeah i don't know how i feel about these sort of hubs because i don't live near a hub <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i think oh is that a barrier to me to working in this industry
0: well i guess the other thing is if you do live near a hub and you and for whatever reason you don't feel you're getting included in what people are terming the cool stuff that also would be quite demoralizing maybe don't think of these hubs as sort of places where you get these organizations forming that just stick within their geographic area really look at them as their their seeds for where there's the potential to get organizations and companies forming that will have a global reach people need to coalesce around doers almost who will make things happen and then once those things start to happen, more ideas will spread and they'll be able to get investment and they'll be able to grow and they'll become a bigger part of the Earth Observation ecosystem.
1: Um, I think in terms of trends, it's sort of what we talked about in the news, really. Um, I see X-Ray becoming bigger in 2021 at the moment. NetCDF formats, all this kind of stuff. I see more data coming along. I think we're going to get a stack, uh, a stable 1.0 release. I think Chris Holmes was talking about something like cloud-native vector format. It does still seem to be quite a bit
0: of growth. So there's two things that I want to just quickly touch on. One is the commercial earth observation processing software. I really want to try and engage with that part of the sector because I'm highly aware that we talk about open stuff a lot, but that's because both of us use open source software. But I'd be really keen to understand whether software packages like erdas or geomatica or envy how are they coping given that there is this rise in open source are they are they riding on that wave is the fact that 2020 has had this switch to working at home and people not being able to get out in the field, has that actually meant that some of their sales have increased? I'd be really interested to try and get conversation going somewhere with someone from that sector. And then I guess the other thing, and it touches both in what you were saying about ISI growing and getting lots of funding, but also conversations that you and I have had offline about the amount of investor funding that there seems to be in earth observation and earth observation related companies and organizations at the moment and the fact that at some point they're going to want to make their money back because that's the way that investment works. And so what does that mean for the future? So what is the timescale for getting that investment back? And what is the implication to the sector in terms of whether or not they get that investment back? And if they do get it back, how, how is that done? Is that done by acquisitions and mergers and things like that? And how will that change the way the sector is set up? Those are sort of interesting things that I have in my head going into 2021. I think, I think a lot of people are thinking about that, aren't they?
1: But I agree with you as well about the non-open source software. We are biased.
0: The other thing that I'm quite interested in at the moment, have been all summer, is different ways of doing business, different models for setting up businesses and different ways for freelancers and micro businesses to interact to give them a little bit more power against some of the larger corporations that are within whatever industry that you're looking at. So that's something I'm going to be looking into more in 2021 Is some of these structures. I I have no idea whether it'll go anywhere, but it's just something I'm really interested in as a micro business myself of understanding how collaboration and community and things like that, concepts like that, can help build sort of stronger entities that might still be composed of individuals or very small companies.
1: But so overall, are all working towards a more meaningful goal. Okay. So, I. I think now is the right time to say thank you so much for everybody who's taken 30 minutes of their day to listen to us blather on this year on a podcast of a very neat subject. You actually make a choice to listen to us, so thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for everybody who follows on Twitter and interacts with us on the account. The diversity of the Earth observation community is a wondrous thing, and it's just full of the most friendly people a massive thanks to everybody who we've spoken to this year. I'm going to try and list them. Keiko, Joe, David, Adam, Stefano, Charlotte, Emil, Hamid, Gopal, Josh, and of course, Hayley. Thank you so much for your time. So yeah, thanks. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to everybody for contributing. Thanks to Alistair, who puts in a massive effort um, to edit this while I just blather on. Um, so, And you- thank you, Andrew, for your blathering. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next year, I think.
0: We encourage you to drop us a line through Twitter using where you can find a vibrant community based around the podcast. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves. And that's it for now. We'll be back in 2021. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Alistair. Bye.
1: Crack that news out and set a timer. You know, once half an hour done, boop! Go alone. The life is growing legs walking past you. If I could ask you,
0: pick up. The